Hallelujah, hallelujah. On the day of Pentecost, they were in one mind and one accord. The only reason why we do not have immediate breakthrough, we have to plow through so much stuff. Because some of us, sometimes it's me, just can't get on the same page. We live in a real world full of turmoil and trouble, a lot of personal struggle, a lot of struggle on the job, financial struggle, health issues. But we sang about it tonight. Do we believe that? <laughs> this world is not our home. You can't threaten us with death. Hallelujah. If we get in one mind and we all, every one of us, would really begin to worship Him. He's worthy. He's worthy. And if we all worshiped Him, no spectators, no one just sitting back. Well, you say, well, I don't, I don't come up front. I'm not saying you have to come up front. Worship Him in your way. In your way, but worship, you watch what God will do. He waits for that. He longs for that. I have a word for you tonight. And I know it's a midweek. There's a lot of things to do yet today to prepare for tomorrow. You have jobs, children in school. I understand all that. And so that's why I came on up here and I'm going to deliver what God has for you. I love you. I'm so happy. Brother Vernon and I are so excited to be with you. As you're standing, will you turn to Matthew 23? Thank you, Pastor Powell, my, my son that the Lord allowed me to adopt. <laughs> I love you and thank you so much for this privilege. And I'm under your covering tonight, the covering of my precious Husband, the covering of my pastor who knows I'm here. Matthew 23, we're reading in verse 37. I am going to just kind of pull this scripture out. You can read it later, the chapter. You can figure out exactly what's going on there, but it's pretty self-explanatory. But I've got to move through this tonight. I've got several scriptures. Oh... Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. The Lord is a perfect gentleman. He cannot be your God unless you let him. He cannot reign in your life until you put Him on the throne of your heart. He cannot comfort you, be your all in all, be with you, take care of you if you're self-sufficient and you don't want Him or need Him. He's saying as much to Jerusalem, I wanted to gather you. Get that mental picture. I toured a home once in Belize and in Belize these poor little huts dirt floors 
we walked through. We had to duck as the people are a lot shorter than I am. We had to duck in many places and watch their beautiful little life they had there and happy, beautiful uh, foliage, um, avocados growing on the trees and limes and lemons. And we walked through their life. And this family allowed us to walk through their home. And the friend that was with me, she, she tapped me on the shoulder. And I'm trying to take it all in. I'm looking at the little tiny sink with a, a hole above it. It's, it's not really a window, it's just a hole. You can see out. And I, I'm looking through, and she tapped me, and she pointed. And, and here is a huge hen sitting in the corner of the kitchen. And I'm thinking, Wow. And that's a pretty big chicken for this part of the world. And she said, look closer. The chicken wasn't really that big. The hen was not a large hen. But peeking out under her feathers were all these little chickens. You had to take a second look to even see them because she had them covered so well. Her instinct... This analogy, this parable here points to the instinct that God gave that mother hen. The Lord wants to take care of you as a hen would cover her chicks. Turning to Acts, I'm sorry, John 14. We're going to do this in order here. We love his word. John 14, reading verse... 16, and I will pray the Father that he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Again, read this chapter later. Jesus is talking here. What's he talking about? He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Why another comforter? Because he was getting ready to go away. He was letting them know, you're not going to be left alone. And we might wonder why he says, I will pray the Father. That doesn't mean praying to the Father. That means I will ask. I will beseech. I will, that he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. So understanding the word, you kind of have to see what things are translated from and to. And that word comforter there is translated from the word alos, which means the very same. Throughout scripture, comfort usually means comfort. Come up and aid you, help you, be with you. Take care of you, an advocate. But in this particular scripture, he's letting them know that he will abide with you. What was that comforter? The same. Jesus. So in other words, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. But me, my Father, and the Holy Ghost are all one. And that word comforter there means the same. So you won't have to. You know, I've heard people say, say, oh, I wish I lived back in Bible days when Jesus walked the earth. Why? Not everybody could be up close to him all the time then. You'd have to figure out where he was. Unless you were one of his disciples. You, you, even his mother didn't know where he was half the time in his adult life. And even in his childhood. Because he was about his father's business. 
You'd have to say, well, where's Jesus? I want, to, I want comfort from him today. I want to talk to him today. I need to be around Jesus. Oh, well, he's over in Samaria. <laughs> Not anymore. He said, I'm going to send a comforter. Oh, this is getting better and better. Skip over to verse 26. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. The comforter. It's the same. So do you understand tonight that when you got the gift of the Holy Ghost... When the comforter came, when Jesus moved in your heart and you spoke in other tongues, what happened was the same Jesus that died on the cross, rose again, went away to prepare a place for you, is coming back to get you, is living inside you. Some of you got it. So tonight, for your hearing a message the Lord gave me and tweaked for you, just a girl and her chicken. You may be seated. Just a girl and her chicken. The Lord spoke to me today, and he said, My people recognize the power of the Holy Ghost. They know it comes in with power. They receive that power, that deutimus, that anointing gift of the Holy Ghost. And they speak with other tongues. But they do not recognize me as the comforter. If you were ever going to need comfort in your life, you're going to need it in these last days. The spirit world is all stirred up. We are seeing things we've never seen before. We are facing things in our future that if we knew about them right now, we would have a hard time not feeling a bit of fear. It's coming. The wrap-up of this thing is happening right before our eyes. The coming of the Lord is nigh. And the Lord said, I want to be their comforter. When you receive the Holy Ghost... Jesus moves in your heart. We say that, but do we believe it? We often think of the Holy Ghost as a separate deal. Jesus walks with me and talks with me, and Jesus takes care of me, and Jesus died on the cross for me, and Jesus went away to prepare a place for me, but then I got the Holy Ghost. Be real careful. The devil would like to make you think it's a separate entity. That is anti-oneness. There is only one God. He won't give his glory to another. Jesus is his name. God was a spirit. Jesus was a body that the spirit came down and dwelt in. The body died on the cross, went to the tomb, rose again. The Spirit went away to prepare a place for us. But the Spirit can be anywhere at any time, at all times, in all places, in your past, in your present, and in your future. And that same Spirit moves into your heart and lives inside of you. Why don't we understand the great power and authority we have because we have Jesus living inside of us. He wanted you to know he was in there. So he gave us evidence. The evidence is the 
initial evidence is speaking with other tongues. That means in another language. Jesus fills you. He moves inside your heart. He fills you up. And when it gets all the way up to here, something happens and your lip and tongue wiggles. Sometimes the people don't even have the stammering lips, but the words just come to their mind and they speak them out of their mouth. At that moment, he becomes everything if you will allow him to be. Again, allow him to be. How do we activate the comfort of the Holy Ghost? We have the Holy Ghost. But how do we tap in to the comfort of the Holy Ghost? Well, opening your understanding is a very good way. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He came to comfort. He wanted to comfort Jerusalem and they would not. If you are so self-sufficient in your life that you do not need the comfort of the Holy Spirit, then you will not activate that in your life. And you will go through times of torment. You will go through death. You will go through pain. You will, you will go through sickness and heartache and financial problems. You will go through life. That's all life. Without His comfort. If you don't activate it in your life. How do we receive such comfort. Well, the very first way I can illustrate with a little childhood story. This is a story that I came upon in my readings, and the story was called The Chicken and the Devil. Sally and Tommy were two precious little children that would go to their grandparents' house in the summer. They would stay for two or three, sometimes four weeks on the farm. They lived in a city, so it was quite a delight to visit their grandparents on the farm. This time when they arrived, there was a great surprise for Tommy. He had been begging Grandpa for many years to buy him a slingshot and to teach him how to use it. Grandpa figured he's old enough now. Tommy's old enough to use the slingshot, and he took him out in the woods, and he showed him how to pick out the right little rocks and pull it back, and it was a bona fide slingshot. It worked. He set up a target, and he said, you need to practice and hit the target, and oh, Tommy was so thrilled. Well, when they stayed with Grandma and Grandpa, they had chores to do on the farm. There were animals to feed, and, and, and there were pens to clean out, and there were dishes to wash, and all kinds of chores to be done, and they helped willingly, but they took turns. One day would be Tommy's turn, and the next day would be Sally's. Sally was a little older than Tommy, and dinner was on the table. It was Sally's turn to help Grandma and to do the dishes, and Sally was setting the table, and and doing the dishes, and Tommy heard the bell ring outside the door. Grandma would ring the dinner bell, and he came running with his slingshot. He didn't want to stop. He was having such a great time. He was becoming a pretty good shot. And on his way in past the chicken coop, without really thinking, he picked up a rock, and he pulled back that slingshot, and he aimed at Grandma's pet chicken. 
not really thinking, he hit the chicken and she flopped over. And Tommy realized in that moment what a mistake he had made. He didn't think he was that good a shot. He didn't really think at all. So he, he creeped around the back fence and took the chicken and drug it by the legs and threw it up over the fence. Maybe hiding the evidence of the error of his ways. He went in for dinner and they ate dinner and he could hardly stand it to look at his grandmother in the eye. It was her pet. It had a name and it was grandma's pet chicken. And how was this thing going to come out? Maybe she'll think a, a fox got it. And so it came time to do the dishes. Sally's turn. She had set the table. And Sally came alongside and said, I guess you'll do the dishes tonight, Tommy. He said, no, -uh, it's your turn. He just wanted to go be alone somewhere. Nope, nope, won't be my turn. He said, what do you mean? She said, remember the chicken? She had been looking out the window. He said, okay, 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 I'll do the dishes. Don't tell, I'll do the dishes. He did the dishes. He went to bed heartsick that night. He didn't want to sit by the fire with grandma and grandpa. He just wanted to go to bed and he was sick. He could hardly sleep the way we feel when we sin. The next morning was his turn to go fishing with grandpa. Sally was supposed to finish the chores that morning and then it would become his turn starting with the evening. That morning... He was going fishing with Grandpa, his favorite thing. Grandpa said, go get your fishing gear on, wear your, your boots. We're, we're going down to the fishing hole. And Sally passed by and she said, after you clean up the breakfast dishes, you can sweep out the barn and feed the animals. I'm going fishing today. He said, oh, come on, Sally. It's my turn. I get to fish with Grandpa today. She said, remember the chicken? Okay, okay, okay. He did all of Sally's chores, and this went on for another day or so, and Sally was doing nothing, and every time that Grandma or Grandpa would notice, Sally would cut him a look, and he'd say, Oh, I just like to do chores. I'm going to do mine and Sally's too. No problem. Suffering. It wasn't enough that he felt guilty and he felt bad and he didn't know how to deal with it or what to do. But now he's got his sister dangling it over his head. And finally, at dinner on the third night, he's gathering up the dishes. Sally's going out to play. And Grandma says, Tommy, is there something you want to talk about? He ran to Grandma and he threw his arms around her and he said, Grandma, I don't know how to tell you this, but I don't know why I did it. But I, I, I used my slingshot and on the first night we came and I, I killed your chicken and I threw it over the fence and I'm so sorry I did it. And I, don't, I, don't, I want you to forgive me. I don't want you to be mad. And he looked up in Grandma's kind face and she said, I was looking out the window and I saw you do it. And I love you anyway. But I was wondering how long, how long would you let Sally make you a slave? May I ask you tonight, how long 
Will you refuse the comfort of the Holy Spirit because you don't feel worthy? Because you've done some things in your life that you feel so bad about. And the devil is just like Sally creeping up behind you by day and by night and saying, Remember? Remember what you did? There are folks that have already been baptized in Jesus' name. Been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Jesus living inside of you. That you cannot forgive yourselves. That you still have that nagging voice. And the enemy of your soul has made you a slave. And when you go through things, you go through them all alone. You want the comfort of the Holy Spirit, but you don't feel worthy. As long as you let the devil make you a slave, you will never reap the benefits of being filled with his spirit, of a walk with God, of a forgiven life, a, a slate washed clean. You will never have the joy of the Lord in your life. It will rob you. Until you come to an altar and you lift up your hands and you say, you know what? I understand now. I have been forgiven. And the King of Kings lives in my heart. And I forgive myself. And devil, you shut your lying mouth. I'm not listening to that anymore. When you take those things to the Lord, He doesn't even remember what you did. He chose to forget about them. But yet the Lord said some of you will not allow him to be the comforter. You don't feel worthy. You won't let him help you through things. You won't let him walk with you all day long every day. It's a precious dimension of the spirit where we walk with the Lord understanding he lives inside of me. That beautiful language he gave me is a secret language between me and the Lord. And no one knows what I'm saying when I speak it. And I want to speak it out into the atmosphere because the devil is the prince and power of the air. So when you let your worship go out into the air, say, why you people have to be so loud? Because we're getting it out into the air. I want the prince and power of the air of this world to hear me worship my God. I want to hear him to hear me speak with other tongues. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's it. Somebody's getting it. Somebody's getting it. <laughs> He's your comfort. <laughs> He's my comfort when I'm weary. He's my shelter in the time of storm. He's my armor when I'm in battle. In the cold, He keeps me warm. When I'm hungry, He's my man. I sent from heaven to feed my soul. When I'm lonely, He's my companion. He goes with me everywhere I go. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want the devil to hear me say it. <laughs> the Lord said, some of you won't let him be the comforter. I've never, I've never known a time that I saw people need a comforter more than when I got on an airplane and flew to Uganda, Africa. I realize the reason why we don't need a comforter because we got big puffy ones on our beds. <laughs> we got a pill for everything. We got insurance to cover our doctor bills. Yeah, we have ways to get money if we run short. We, you know, we, we, we're fluid here, you know. We have people that will help us. The comfort. The simple comforts of life those people did not have. 
let alone the peace speaker. I could not have been prepared for 1,500 orphans in one big room, smaller than this room, packed in, packed outside up close to the windows, which were just holes in the walls, as close as they could get, wanting to hear a word of comfort. I listened to them sing and worship and praise. There was not one of them not responding. Why? They need the comforter. We don't need the comforter. We've got comfortable seats here. We've got air and we've got heat. And we've got the comforts we need. And we're self-sufficient. You're missing out on one of the greatest parts of receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost when you won't let him be the comforter. I stood in front of those children and I had to keep correcting my words before they came out of my mouth. It's really hard to do. I'm talking through an interpreter and I'm trying to express how Jesus wants to comfort them. How he wants to move in their hearts. I'm trying to talk about the Holy Ghost. And I am trying to word it in such a way that children will understand. But yet at the same time, you can't compare it to anything that we know here. They don't have a bed to lay their head down on a pillow at night. You have to watch what little sayings you might say. Because they have none of that. And so I began to relate Jesus. It started flowing out of me as the anointing flowed, as the comforter. I began to look in the eyes, the hollow eyes of these children. Their heads shaved because the parasites had eaten off a lot of their scalps. Their heads all shaved. The, 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 the infection running out of their noses and their ears. Their bellies swollen out from the parasites eating at their stomachs and, and traveling up into their hearts. Many of them a few days from dying of AIDS. Many of them died while I was there of AIDS. These children that are frightened at night because they're just lying on dirt floors. And there are people that come in in the night from the city and steal them out of these what they call orphanages. And they take them into the city to traffic them. So they lay awake at night. If, if they might get any rest, they don't because they're terrified of who might come and steal them away in the night, the bad people that come. There is no comfort there. None. And so when someone presents the gospel as it really is, <laughs> that he will move in your heart and be your comforter. He'll wrap his arms around you. He'll feed your hungry belly with something the world can't give you. He will wrap his arms around your mind and give you peace. Not peace that the world gives. No, they needed something more. There's not enough money that can be funneled into that country, the armpit of the world, they call it, to feed the hungry. They go in and dig wells so they have water. But the parasites, because there's no kind of, of septic system, it runs down the streets. It goes right back into the water supply. And so that water that they're drinking that someone dug a well is only putting parasites right back into their bodies. Talk about needing a comforter. 
There was no other message. And I'm afraid before we leave this world, we may be reduced to there's no other message but this gospel of comfort. That he said he would come. He'd live in your heart. He'd take you to heaven someday. I begin to talk about heaven. A place where their tummies would always be full. Where they'd never be afraid again. They'd never be sick. They'd have a new body. I begin to talk about those things. What things? The comforter. As I begin to deliver that message of the comforter, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the comforter moving inside their hearts, they begin to weep and cry and their hands in the air. And as I spoke a word of faith, the power of God moved across that building and every single child was speaking with other tongues. As the comforter moved in their hearts, their little hands shaking under the power of the Holy Ghost, reaching in the windows, reaching for the comforter. Talking in tongues outside. The nationals walking among them. And weeping and shaking their head. Yes, each one talking in tongues. Talking in tongues. I don't know their language. But I stepped down on the front row. I longed to pray with some someone so much. Because we do that here. But I don't know their language. There was a little girl, six years old. Infection running, the little hands up, frail little body, little tiny wrist. Her, her wrist was just no bigger than my, my thumb. Six years old. And her little hands just shaking. And I got down real close and I was going to pray with her. And I leaned my ear down and she was saying, I love you, my Savior. You are my King. I love you, my Savior. You are my King. I called the, the, the interpreter over that it had interpreted for me. I said, come here. Listen, listen to this child. She knows English. He leaned down and he listened. And he, his head came up and he was shaking and weeping. He said, that child does not know a word of English. That is her Holy Ghost. When she received the power of the Holy Ghost, the comforter moved in. And she was speaking in tongues. Her tongues happened to be English. You think this is not real? It's real. <laughs> and we don't talk in tongues enough. We need to activate it in our life. We need to repent of our self-sufficiency. We need to ask God to forgive us for always turning to some other source than Him. We need to get in an altar tonight and say, I'm going to give you my all. And that means letting you be what you want to be in my life. Over 1,500 filled. There was one little girl among them. This little girl had some broken English because she did not live in the orphanage. She lived in a home nearby. She would run after the bus when we would come in on our two-hour journey to the orphanage from our hotel. If you can call it a hotel. Rats running around as big as a cat in our room. You, you think you don't need comfort? You'll find out sometime you might need comfort. You talk about trying to sleep knowing that thing is in your room. Every day when these children would run and scream after the bus, hot, smelly, 
There was never a moment of air conditioning, a trickle of water in the sink in the bathroom, a trickle in the bathtub of cold water to take some kind of sponge foot whatever bath in 10 days. I found out what it looked like not to have comforts. You don't have comforts, you better have the comforter. He sustained me. He helped me. Oh, yes, he did. And every day the kids would pile on the bus and I'd be over by the window with my hanky sprayed with perfume. Like this. Breathing in my perfume because of the stench. I promise you when I came home for three weeks or a month after I got home, I could smell the smell. That septic running right down the, right down the side of the roads, dirt roads. Little girl got on the bus and the very first day she sat beside me and she put her arm through my arm and she started looking at my skin and rubbing my face and smiling real big at me. And, and I said, hi. And she said, Baloosh. And the girls, the, the ladies, that Sister Quady that was the national missionary, she said, she's telling you her name. Her name is Baloosh. I said, hello, Baloosh. She rubbed my arm. She looked in my face. She said, friend. I said, yes, I'm your friend. I gave her my sunglasses. I gave her my purse. I gave her a mirror out of my purse. And she'd look at herself with the big pink sunglasses and smile and laugh at herself. And every day for 10 days, she got on that bus and she looked for me. And she'd cram in there. I might have four people already sitting beside me. But she'd get over on top of them and scoot in until she was on top of me because she's going to sit beside me. I'm her friend. Smiling from ear to ear. Belush was there the day the children received the Holy Ghost and I watched her with her arms raised speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. At the end of that service, the Lord spoke to me and He said, we need to baptize these children, make them ready. A lot of them are, are dying. They need to be ready for heaven. You know you're not ready for heaven? You haven't repented of your sins. You've not been baptized in Jesus' name. By immersion in water, going under the water. It's the only way anybody was ever baptized in the Word. You're not ready for heaven until you let the Comforter, the Holy Spirit move in your heart. Jesus, move in your heart. And you speak in another language other than your own. That's the evidence. That's how you know He's in there. These children weren't ready for heaven. The Lord said, you can't give them anything lasting but me. <laughs> oh, yes. Silver and gold have I none. That was my scripture. But such as I have give I thee. So I made the announcement after the Holy Ghost service settled down a bit. And I had the microphone and I had the, the interpreter young man bring a child out of the, the congregation and show how to baptize. And I talked about baptism in Jesus' name. If you haven't done that tonight, you need to get it done. You need to hear the pastor say in Jesus' name. I watched the, the, the man give the illustration. It was beautiful. And, and the children began to weep and cry. And I said, now those of you that want to be baptized in Jesus' name, make your way to this door over here. There was an opening. And the, the American team will meet you outside the door and line you up for baptism. I feel like I'm following after the Spirit, okay? I'm doing what the Spirit's leading. And, and so I'm thinking that the enemy comes and he says, wow, you just told them what they're going to get is follow the American team. They want to go anywhere the American team goes. 
You, you're going to cause chaos. They're going to, you know, trample each other trying to get out that door. I promise you, it was like the angels came and took them by the hand and walked them orderly out that door. There were 207 of them that lined up outside that door to be baptized in Jesus' name. And then there was a clap of thunder that came out of nowhere. And that clap of thunder was followed by torrential rains. We are all on dirt terrain. I mean that dirt began to run into mud immediately. And it is pouring. The children are scattering. They're running. They're running for shelter. These big huge fruit jackfruits are falling off the trees. If one of those hits you in the head, you could very well be killed. They're running for shelter. They come and grab me by the arm and they say, Sis, come quick. Get on the bus. Uh, we got the team on the bus. We got to get out of here before the roads wash out. We won't get back to the hotel. I said, but what about the baptisms? They said, well, we can't do them today. I am weeping. I get on that bus and I look out the window and I'm thinking what in the world have I done I lined up 207 children to be baptized and I, I, I felt it I knew it's what God wanted did I miss it somehow but the comforter came all is well it'll be well they're talking on the bus. This is not the rainy season. We don't have rains. It was not predicted. This is like a monsoon. What in the world? Came out of nowhere. I go back to the room. I'm, I'm fitful. I'm, I'm trusting the Lord. I'm being comforted because I really don't understand. But I know God's got a plan. This is His work, His business. He wants you to learn to trust Him with the details. Some of you have never learned. You're still trying to work out the details. Some of you are still worrying. That's so anti-scripture to worry. It's because you won't let him be the comforter. I go to sleep and get a little rest, and I get up the next morning, the sun's shining. I get on the bus with everybody else. We stop, and here comes Belush. She sits on top of me, her arm around my neck, <laughs> with her pink sunglasses and her big purse on her arm. My friend, we go out for baptisms. I'm, I'm hoping they've worked it out. And the local pastor meets me at the bus and he said, Sis, you have no idea what you were doing. He said, we don't have any water. We take these people to the Nile River. We have to, we have to, to hire buses, rent buses. It costs a lot of money. We have to wait till we have enough offerings to rent a bus. And then we take them all. Anybody who wants to be baptized. And we travel a, a good ways to get to water. You can't just say we're having a baptism. You can't just have people line up and say we're going to baptize them. I said, oh, I'm so, I'm so sorry. I, I, I didn't know. He said, but evidently the Holy Ghost was moving on you because what happened, that torrential rain that we got that wasn't supposed to come, it filled up a swamp. A swamp that's never full enough for baptisms is full this morning, waist high to a man. We're lining them up presently, and we're going down a little dearth path, and we're going to baptize all of them in Jesus' name. I'm telling you, he's the comforter. Let him work out the details, somebody. And so I'm in that lineup with all of these children, and they're singing at the top of their lungs. And the translation is Jesus is everything. He's everything. He's everything. <laughs> oh, yes, he's everything. 
and we're walking down this path and it's got big these big hedges uh, this this terrain is is flat and dirt and then here's these big I don't know what they are but it's the bush you don't know what's in the bush there's snakes in the bush there's lions there's everything in the bush you better have a comforter We're walking that path and the Lord says look to your right and look to your left. And woven throughout this bush country is the very tree that was made to use the crown of thorns. And here are these great big thorns sticking out. We're barely dodging them going up that path. So symbolic for baptism in Jesus name. That he said they're following the path. The pathway that I've laid before them. Hallelujah. I felt the Holy Ghost. I was talking in tongues all the way up that path pathway (laughs) and I watch (laughs) now you have to understand these kids have clothes they get out of some kind of goodwill bag that comes maybe once every year two years they wear them night and day that's all they have they're they're torn they're ragged they're dirty it's all they have so they have a choice do I want wet clothes or dry clothes so some of them didn't want wet clothes (laughs) so there they are butt naked Jumping off with four of our our preachers. (laughs) Baptizing them in Jesus' name. They're shouting and dancing all over the bank. Why? Because they don't have any comfort. Two hundred and seven. I watched Belush go down in Jesus' name. Come up out of that water speaking with other tongues. It's a little old granny that the day before when I got finished with the children, I'm all done. I'm getting ready to go back to the bus. And she, she puts her hands on my feet. And she's down on her face on the floor, 81 years old. And, and the, the interpreter gets her up. And she says something to me. And she's holding my hands. The tears just rolling. And he said, she says, give me what you gave the children. I want what you gave the children. She lifted her hands right there and was filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. We make it way too hard. All you have to do is want it. She spoke with other tongues and then in that lineup of 207 children, there she was with her yellow turban on her head that I brought her. I brought scarves for all the elders. There she was with that bright yellow turban, scarf tied and a bow on the side. They took her down in the water and she came out speaking with other tongues. Hallelujah. She wanted her picture made with me. And we had our picture made. And two weeks later, Sister Quady sent me that picture and said, Grandma had passed away today. The Lord got her in in the nick of time. Hallelujah. I'm talking about a comforter. He doesn't want you to be lost. He doesn't want you to be afraid. He doesn't want you to worry. He wants to cover you like a chicken. A hen covers her chicks, protects. He's in the details. He's got you tonight. He's got you. But you must believe. Somebody come to the keyboard, play softly, and just nobody else needs to come right now. Just come by yourself. Give them hope. (laughs) Once you have confessed your sins... You stop letting the devil nag at you. You forgive yourself. You you find comfort until you face those that have hurt you. You start reciting in your mind 
the unwarranted pain in your life, the things that have happened to you. This is not often addressed. But what happens when you come to the altar and you make the decision to lift your hands and say, Lord, I forgive. And you say their names for doing such and such to me. You say the event. If it takes you six hours, you say every event that comes to your mind. And what we don't often address is what happens in that moment. It's not the power of the Holy Ghost that comes in that moment. It's the comforter that wraps his arms around you. Because if the devil can take your mind off of the people that hurt you and put it on to, but why didn't God stop it? Then he's got you. So in that moment, the love of God wraps you up. And that voice that says, God didn't love you or you wouldn't have been molested. God, God didn't love you or he wouldn't let you marry that person that hurt you. God didn't love you or he wouldn't have. He wouldn't have. In that moment, the comforter comes alongside. And you look into his face and see the tears rolling off his cheeks. And you realize it's because of a sinful world. Those things happened to me because of sin. People that hurt me, that, that's on them. But if you, don't, if you don't let the comforter come, if you don't let God heal your heart, they still have power over you. That's why I tell people, stop talking about it. Stop reciting it. It should be many years before you ever tell the story again when you're whole and healthy and ready to help somebody else with it. And that's the only reason. You need the comforter tonight to help you really forgive those that have hurt you. And then you'll be able to throw yourself into the work of God. You understand who it is that sits on your heart's throne. He'll walk and talk with you. He'll be your best friend. He'll help you through every situation. He'll never leave you, nor forsake you. You'll be able to, some people never throw themselves into this. They just sit on the pew. Because they've never let him be the comforter. Let him heal your wounds. Recognize your wounds and let him heal them. He said on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He's our example. I was on that bus on the last day. It was going to be hard to say goodbye. It's one of those places you just, just leave a piece of your heart. I thought I might get back there someday. And when I got home, the Lord spoke to me. He said, I'm never sending you there again. That was a one and done. I had a friend there. Her name was Belush. <laughs> On that last day, there she came running after the bus. We stopped at a little row of shacks, if you can even call them that. Pieces and scraps of cardboard and tin and wood that they stand up and make lean-tos to somehow crawl in inside. It, it's just pitiful. 
And they came running, and we're, we're stopped, and I'm preparing for seven people to be on a seat that holds two. I'm scrunched in by the window as far as I can get. I'm looking out the window, thinking about how I was going to miss these precious children when Belush landed on top of me. But I felt something else. I had on open-toed shoes. It's so hot, 100 degrees. And on top of my city girl feet, something scratching, pecking, flopping, flipping, something unfamiliar. And I look down, and there is a chicken, if you can call it that. Tiny little chickens over there. They're so hungry and starved, they don't have anything to feed their animals. But nevertheless, this sickly chicken is flopping around on my feet, and I react. I said, that's a chicken. Boosh, is that your chicken? Get that chicken. Get it off the bus. Take that chicken off the bus. Pick it up. Take it off the bus. Oh, she understood. She didn't miss a beat. She reached down there and grabbed that chicken by the legs and threw it over her shoulder. She made her way through the oncoming traffic up that bus. I watched her throw it out into the yard. She started back up that bus aisle. And when she got to me, she sat down and she took her sunglasses off and put them in her purse. And she folded her little arms and the tears were rolling. I said, Belush, what's the matter? Why are you crying? She said, you don't like my gift. You don't like Belush's gift. You see, there's something about the comfort of the Holy Ghost that will want you to give everything. You understand a chicken was one of the most prized things that anyone over there could acquire. It meant food for starvation. It couldn't have meant more if it were a sack of gold to that little girl. But somewhere in a few days' time, she grasped a hold of something that you and I failed to get. He's the comforter. I want to give him my all. Doesn't matter what that looks like. Doesn't matter where he sends me, what he asks me to do, what I need to give up, how my life changes, what part of the family doesn't like what I'm doing doesn't matter. There comes a time where He becomes everything when you allow Him to be the comforter. And you realize this old world is not my home. Life is but a vapor. I don't have much more time. Jesus is coming. So whatever I can do, He is everything. Would you stand?
Could we have a revival Wednesday by everyone coming to this altar for a moment? Could you just pack in this altar and lift your hands and make a commitment tonight? I want you to be my comforter. And in that moment, will you allow him to speak through you again? Will you allow yourself to speak with other tongues? Would you do it at the top of your lungs? Will you let it out in the spirit world so the prince and power of the air can hear your declaration right now? You are the comforter. You are everything to me. If you need to forgive somebody, do it tonight and get it under the blood. You need to forgive yourself. Get your hands in the air and forgive yourself tonight. But let Him fill you to overflowing across this building. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, the Lord will fill you right where you're standing. Lift your hands and close your eyes and begin to call out His name. He'll fill you tonight. There's ministry that's going to walk among us tonight. They're looking for you to pray with you right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You are my comforter. You are my friend. You're a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I wonder if the singers would come now. Come on, church, lift your voices. Don't hold back. <laughs> 